Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine, nay, finest friends. Welcome to episode eight of the eighth season of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. I just want to quickly front load this episode by saying that I just recorded an episode of one of my other podcasts tonight, and I was quite happily tucking into the gin and tonic. So if I'm ever so slightly slurry on this one, and look, it's not going to be a repeat of the lunar fiasco. I haven't had a stroke. You don't need to worry about me. I'm just ever so slightly lubricated. Okay, now that that's out of the way, some quick social media stuff before we dig into this week's song. Uh, This past week's poll asked you to rate You're So Bad, and the results on Twitter were as follows. 9.1% rated the track between a 1 and 6. 62.6% rated it between a 7 and 9. And 27.3% rated it a top shelf 10 out of 10. So... Again, my rating of 8 was in the range of where the majority put this one, so I feel quite smug about that. Over on Facebook, Bob Reedy commented, Timeless song. Catchy and funny and fun to sing along to. Great lyrics. Couldn't agree more, Bob. Uh, The wonderful Nick Apostolaris says, He was such an elite songwriter, I rank it second tier for him. And it's so true that the bar for a Tom Petty song is a lot higher than it is for most other artists. Even a second tier Petty tune is in most bands' greatest hits range, really. Uh, Danny Danny says, I love it but I truly love all of his music and lyrics. I love this entire album as well as the video. Tom truly is a musical genius. You know what? You'll hear no dissent from me on that one, Dana, and I love the fact that you said is a musical genius rather than was. Uh, My good pal Pete Nestor from the excellent Honest and Unmerciful Record Review podcast commented, I'd go eight as well. Breezy, effortless, but sometimes the ones that seem most effortless are the ones that take extra work. I don't think that's true for this one, though. Or do I? This post is getting confusing. Love it, Pete. It's like a little Statler and Waldorf vignette that you've just thrown in there. Uh, I also love Breezy and Effortless as a description. I think that for the majority of this album, that definitely was true. From everything I've read, the songs came quickly and they didn't overthink them overly. Overly? Have I said over too much? I've said over too much. Uh, A great comment here from Emily Heap who says, I love it. You're So Bad is the first Tom Petty song I listen to at work every morning. It gets me going. And as I replied on Facebook, that's a great way to start your day. Robert Gerbing posted, rate it an eight. Not at, but just below the top table. So, you know, that's right in line where I landed, Robert. Uh, Kelly Ward says, I like it fine, but I have so many faves above it. And I kind of agree with that um, in that it's it's not usually one of the first songs that springs to mind when I think about Tom, but it's also one that it sort of rotates in and out of my favorites list. On the other hand, uh, Adair Thompson, I think I pronounced that right, calls it one of my top five So it shows how diverse Tom's catalogue is that pretty much every song will be in someone's top five along the way. Danny Hirschberger and I had a short conversation that started with this comment. That whole album is awesome. You're So Bad is a true Tom Petty song. I'm not sure anyone else could do it. And I commented that the only other artist I could really see pulling off something like this is Bob Dylan. Because he's got that same sense of playfulness and whimsy. And on reflection, you know, I'd probably throw in a couple of other names too. I'd say maybe John Prine and Tom Rush both of whom have that warm sense of like dark humor that they convey in their songs from time to time. Thanks as always for your comments and feedback. Keep it coming, folks. Today's episode covers the third track from Side to a Full Moon Fever, Depending on You. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I don't play any of the music from the song in the episode itself just to avoid copyright issues and to be mindful of Tom Petty's estate. If you want to give the song a listen before we dig in, there's a link in the episode notes. <laughs> 
Although Full Moon Fever is the first solo album that Tom released, and I've got a man, I've already said that I've been drinking gin and tonic all night, it's going to be difficult. Ironically, it's the album with the fewest solely Tom Penn songs on it. There you go, got through it. Uh, most of the album's tracks are co-writes with Jeff Lynne, and Mike Campbell also has songwriting credit on two songs, Running Down a Dream and Love is a Long Road. The album has three songs credited to Tom alone, of which Depending on You is the first in tracklist order. In conversations with Tom Petty, when author Paul Zolo asks Tom about the song, Tom simply says, that was really fun to do. We should play that song. We never played it. Alas, Tom never did revisit the song in a live setting, so it's one of those few Tom Petty cuts that exists only on record. In Warren Zane's essential book, Petty, The Biography, Zane's mentions that Tom and Jeff Lynne had a shared passion for Del Shannon's voice, and that Jeff especially was a huge fan of Roy Orbison. Zane's writes, in Petty's voice and in his writing, Lynn discovered something of what he found in Del Shannon and Roy Orbison. Not technically, but in another way, in that tinge of sadness, that suggestion of some story in there, which not every voice has, but Petty's always had. And that's something that my guest Ivan Anderson commented on last season. When I asked Ivan what three words he would use to describe Tom Petty were, his response was, verge of tears. And I think it's this emotional vulnerability that underscored Tom's natural delivery and voice that Ivan was talking about. But there's also a tonal similarity between several of Tom's songs and the work of Del Shannon and the birds. Depending on you really reminds me of that type of sound with the big jangly chords and the beautifully layered harmony vocals. While Tom's, you know, quote unquote, tinge of sadness comes through in the brilliantly mixed lead vocal, the rest of the song embraces the rock and roll scene of the 1960s. You can see why You're So Bad was positioned between this track and feel a whole lot better on the album, because otherwise it might start to sound like a tribute to Del Shannon and Gene Clark. Again, in Petty, Warren Zanes writes, The world was about to get to know Petty in new ways. Jeff Lynne Productions favoured the voice. In the mix, Lynne would put the singer in the front, pointedly avoiding what could sometimes be the gauze of echo and delay. And of all the songs on the album, I think this track, and then maybe Free Falling and the Apartment song, really are the greatest examples of where Tom's lead vocal feels like you're, you know, it's just hearing him sitting across the table from you and delivering the lines. It's got that sort of clarity and crispness that you get from being in a room with someone. The song starts with a very similar vibe to Handle With Care. It feels like a Wilbridge song out the gate. It's another really short song also that doesn't waste any time getting to the point. The intro is a mere two bars of that D major chord. As with the rest of this album, the guitars are layered up in big stacks. There's at least like three guitar parts that I can hear. There's that main strumming pattern, which I think is probably on a 12-string electric, then an acoustic, with a third distorted guitar hitting just stabs that are mixed down low, but really just help to fill out the sound. And when we get to the lines, some clown, on the B minor chord, we also then get some really cool surf rock, you know, like big flanged out delayed guitar um, licks. So once more, we're getting incredible layering of the guitar parts without them ever being too fussy or really busy or clashing with each other. You know, and to this point in the song, the rhythm section is doing what it does on most of the album. It's just providing a rock-solid backbeat that keeps the song motoring forward, and in this case, quite energetically. I thought at first that the hi-hat on this one was programmed, but the more I've listened to it, I think you can hear, you know, just slight variances in the volume and the sort of the velocity of those hats. So I'm leaning more towards thinking that these are real drums all the way down. The snare has a nice fat sound with the kick being 
little less prominent and a bit less boomy, certainly than how it would have been under, say, Jimmy Iovine. And that works for this song. We have eight bars of this, you know, bouncy major key chord progression with that solitary B minor thrown in before we rip straight into the pre-chorus, which is what I consider to be the main hook of the song. Those beautifully harmonized, you give up so easily. Yeah, man. Gin and tonic, people. Just remember, gin and tonic. Uh, Tom sings the harmony part in the low register, and the lead line is sung in the next octave up, but I'm fairly certain that that, that higher vocal part is double-tracked. Again, just to fatten up that sound a little, which leads us into the chorus, I'm depending on you, where the beat changes to a four-on-the-floor snare with a couple of double kicks and some floor tom accents, which, again, are mixed very low so as not to take center stage or overpower the melody. Through this section, we also get those harmony backing vocals, and there's an organ part thrown in for good measure. Now, I'm going to talk about this later, but it's also like an organ and a synth. There's not exactly sure what it is. So it's not quite the kitchen sink, but most of the kitchen utensils are being thrown into the mix here. The chord progression in the chorus is what I always think of as a playground swing. Root, step down, step down, step up, step up. If you think about high, coming back down, coming back up. And the bass just follows this pattern, playing those root notes as the progression does this swing back and forth until we get to the end of the verse and it lands on the fifth, which is, in this case, an A major. Through the second verse, when that surf rock, that's what I'm calling it, that surf rock guitar part comes in again on the minor chord, we also get some additional harmonies. And the following chorus is a repeat of the first, with the organ being a little bit more noticeable in the mix. And I'd already commented that this song shares a similar DNA with Feel A Whole Lot Better, which opens side two of the record. And the solo really leans into that DNA, with Mike favoring a, a gentle, arpeggiated chord progression that again has that big burge jangle to it. The guitars at this point are sounding so big and lush because they're so overdubbed, but I think we're now only listening to two guitars in the solo, or more accurately, two guitar parts played on the same guitar. My guess is that this is a Rickenbacker 12-string that Mike's playing the rhythm and lead on on two separate tracks. And because he's also playing the solo in the same octave as the rhythm, the effect you get is the sense that he's playing more notes than anyone with only two hands should be able to play. It's a great little trick, and it works perfectly for this section of the song. All right, folks, it's time for, you know what it's time for, don't you? It's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. Which is the most covered song? Should that be which or what? Grammar pedants, let me know. Which is the most covered song in Tom's catalog? Is it A, Running Down a Dream? B, Breakdown? C, I Won't Back Down? Or D, Learning to Fly? Now, my eagle-eyed pal Paul Roberts asked whether I meant released cover versions or all cover versions and pointed out that thousands and thousands of bar bands the world over cover Freeform. And I did confirm that I was only talking about recordings that have actually been released. So I use a website called secondhandsongs.com to dig into this info, and I'll leave a link in the episode notes in case you're interested. To answer the question, though, the answer is... C. I won't back down. Along with the famous covers by Johnny Cash and Sam Elliott, who's basically just sort of mimicking Cash's delivery, there's a Scar two-tone version by Real Big Fish, a hard rock cover version by the rock band Everclear, and then a much more faithful and very cool version by Lucinda Williams on her tribute to Tom, 2020's Running Down a Dream. 
So this week's question is this. When Tom recorded Mary Jane's Last Dance for 1993's Greatest Hits album, according to most sources, the band recorded an incredible number of covers, uh, from which Something in the Air by Thundercock Newman was finally chosen to be fully mixed and released. But which Elvis Presley song was also recorded and eventually released on 1995's playback box set? Is it A, Viva Las Vegas, B, Wooden Heart, C, Jailhouse Rock, or D, Return to Sender? Okay, back to the song. Coming out of the solo, we go back into the pre-chorus. And I like that we go into the pre-chorus rather than the chorus or into another verse. And we, So we get that lovely harmonized, you give up so easily, which then leads us into the chorus. And in this section, as well as the organ, again, I, I talked about it earlier, and I think it's probably there throughout, but there's that synth pad, and it's brought up in the mix so you can you can just really hear it far more clearly than the first two times through. The chorus then repeats with the... An, kind of important actually addition of an additional bar hanging on that fifth chord at the end so instead of eight bars we get nine bars and then we get some very Wilburys-esque snare fills added into proceedings and I commented at the beginning of this song that it has a real flavor of handle with care and as the song plays the eight bar chorus progression with no vocal over top you can really really hear it it's actually exactly the same riff for the first two bars before it changes in the third so that's a nice little through line in terms of sort of Tom's association with the uh, Traveling Mulberries. And I'd love to know which track was written first and whether one borrowed from the other or whether it was just, you know, a happy accident. Maybe we can call it Convergent Evolution. In Warren Zane's biography, Tom does remark that George basically had all the chords of Handle With Care written by the time the rest of the Wilburys got involved, actually before they even were at the Wilburys, right? And that song was recorded on April 3rd, 1998. Now, the sessions for Full Moon Feeble were actually interrupted in order to finish up the Wilburys record. So my guess would be that Tom would have said to George, hey, I'm going to use that first phrase in Handle With Care, but change it a little bit. What do you think? And then George would have replied, yeah, sure, sounds great. And not to go off on a complete detour away from the song here, but this is to me what I always think made the Wilburys the ultimate and best supergroup there's ever been. All five world-class musicians, world-class songwriters, really just checked their egos at the door and their reputations, and just created music together for the love of doing it. So I could really see Tom borrowing that passage and building it out differently, and George Harrison just being delighted that his friend had you know, managed to work out another song from that same route. After this instrumental interlude, Tom sings another I'm Dependent on You, and leads us into the last repeat of the chorus over which the song fades out. Now, right before the song fades out completely, just listen to it. We do hear one last change to the drum pattern, with the kick coming in more often. And I'd love to hear the entirety of what was recorded here. Is I wonder what I just wonder what else is in there. Maybe we get a bit more Mike Campbell. Maybe we get Tom doing something funky. Maybe there's something in there that we just would love as fans. But at this point, the song is over, and it definitely is the right time to wrap things up. You know, we're not getting um, running down a dream. We're not getting a one and a half minute masterclass in guitar from Mike Campbell. The song's done. Let's wrap it up. The lyrics in this one are fairly unambiguous. You know, the relationship that Tom is singing about is one-sided and one party is definitely not holding up their end of the social contract. I'm depending on you. But you're too insecure or self-centered 
or whatever it is, to see that and help me. The line, you give up so easily, which, as I said before, for me is the main hook of the song. It's just a great line because it belies a soft center to the antagonist. Maybe they really do just lack self-confidence. Maybe it's more of a case of, you know, it's more insecurity than it is egocentricity. So to wrap things up on the song itself, in a similar way to Love is a Long Road, this is what I always think of as Tom's natural voice, at least with the verses. He's singing without affectation or character, and you hear what Tom sounds like, most likely when he's strumming his guitar and making up silly songs for his kids or his grandkids. When we get to the chorus, that's when a little of that rasp creeps in and he chokes those words out, I'm depending on you. And I just love that juxtaposition in delivery. Okay, Paddyheads, that's it for this week. Depending on you clocks in at a breathless two minutes and 47 seconds. In the first minute and 47 seconds, we have the verse, pre-chorus, chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and guitar solo packed in. So this is again where it feels like that 1960s approach to songwriting that the Beatles and the Birds and like, like I said, the, the Beach Boys, that's what they employed. Get to the point. Get in, hit them hard, and get out again. That's something else that my season seven guest, Ivan Anderson, said really stuck with me, and it came to me again when I was into this song. What he said was that, Listen to Her Heart is a little song. And by that, he wasn't being dismissive. He was saying that it wasn't covering a really weighty topic, it wasn't this big epic narrative, and it was compact and really accessible. And I'd say exactly the same thing about this one. It's neat and compact. It has a superb hook in the pre-chorus, and the whole thing is imminently hummable. It's a pretty perfect little pop song, really. And again, it doesn't belong at the very top table, and its simplicity and brevity does mean that I can't, you know, rank it up to that level. So I'm going to give, depending on you, a nice, tidy 7 out of 10. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter, folks, at Deep Dive Podnet. There's tons of stuff there. I'm sure you'll find something you like. A couple of podcasts in the network that I've been listening to lately, in addition to the three that my pal Corey Morissette hosts, are Skinnered Reconsidered, which, first of all, is a great podcast name, and then he's covering the, uh, the Leonard, Leonard, sorry, Leonard, Leonard Skinnered, uh, catalogue in much the same way that I'm doing from start to finish. And then the other is uh, And Volume for All, which is a show that discusses the history and the elements that go to make up heavy metal. And I've already discovered a couple of bands that I've never listened to through that show, and both pods are packed with humour as well as great insights. Please, just go give them a listen. Even if you don't like the music, you'll enjoy the host. I'll post a link to both in the episode notes. Uh, you can also check out my other podcast, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast, that I do with my best friend Randy and who I was drinking gin with early tonight and the Ultimate Catalog Class that I co-host with the wonderful Corey Morissette. We are talking all things Phil Collins here Genesis in this season. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Threads. Yeah, I'm on Threads now. And YouTube at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. You know, go follow, like, do all the subscribe things as applicable. And again, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't done that already. Hey, you know what? Spotify now allows ratings. So it would be lovely if you would take a second to go click the stars on there and help me get the show noticed a little bit more. Keep talking to me on social media and I'll keep reading out your comments on the show. And as a final reminder, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. When you're looking for Tom's music, please visit official streaming platforms or you know what? Even go to your local independent record seller to grab some actual physical media that you can hold 
in your hands and gaze at fondly and stroke and leave it there. Um, if you're looking for official merch, please go to TomPetty.com. And if you're looking for merch for this show, please go to TomPettyProject.com. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook. I hang out there sometimes, and they're good fun. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the fourth song from side two of Full Moon Fever, which was originally recorded as a duet with Stevie Nicks for the Southern Accent Sessions. The brilliantly foot-tapping, the gloriously light, the apartment song. Bye-bye.